today on The Spotter. It takes courage to walk the narrow path that leads to life. It takes courage to keep your eyes upon Jesus when there are distractions on every side. It takes courage to say no when everything and everyone else is saying yes. It takes courage to stand up in a culture that bows the knee to idols of pride and greed and lust. It takes courage. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me for the podcast today. I want to take you back to February the 9th of this year when I was with Bishop Roy Tucker at the Praising Place in Charlotte, North Carolina. I want to share with you a word that the Lord gave me for my dad's funeral, the power of leverage. Hope you enjoy the word. Judges chapter 3, I'm going to read one verse with you, verse 31 reading out of the NIV. I want to preach to you about the power of leverage. The power of leverage. And after him was Shamgar the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. You say amen to the reading of the word of the Lord? Would you pray for me right now? Father, for the next few moments, I'm on assignment to deliver this word. I pray, Father, that you will touch my heart, my hands, that you will touch my lips and my mind, that I might accomplish that for which you've sent me. Father, you are going to speak an in-season, on-time, right-now word not only to this house corporately, but to these precious saints of God individually. You're going to speak to this pastor. You're going to speak to ministry leaders. You're going to do something powerful in the heart of somebody who showed up today looking for enough bread just to make it through another day. Father, today we yield ourselves to you. Open our hearts that we may receive our minds that we may comprehend. Lord, we'll give you the glory and the honor and the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You can be seated as long as you don't sit down on me. Hallelujah. You ready for the word? Shout yes. Yes. Allow me to lay a little groundwork. As I started in Judges chapter 3, verse 31, I'm going to back up for many, many years to the book of Joshua and give you just a short foundation of history to understand why I chose this particular passage. The history of Israel is a cycle. As you read through the scripture, their history, you'll notice that they have this cycle in which they commit evil in the sight of the Lord. And that God would allow them to be oppressed, slavery, and defeat. Then Israel would cry out to God for deliverance, and he would send them a deliverer, and they would subsequently return to serving the Lord. This cycle was perpetuated throughout Scripture over and over and over in the history of Israel. The book of Judges begins with yet another revolution of the cycle following the death of Joshua. But prior to his death, Joshua addressed Israel one last time in chapter 23. He called to their remembrance the victory God had given them over the nations and peoples he had driven out of the promised land. 
He divided the remaining nations by lot to each tribe to be their inheritance. He promised them that as long as they adhered to the word and the commandments of the Lord, that he would continue to drive out nations before them and even remove them from their very sight so that they may possess the land. Joshua said in verse 6 of chapter 23, Therefore, this is what God said to Joshua, Therefore, be very courageous. Keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. He said, be very courageous. Why? Because Joshua knew it was going to take courage for the people of God to keep his commandments and avoid distractions on the right hand and on the left when they didn't have Joshua to keep God's word ever before them. He knew because he likely began to reminisce about his own experience many years before when Moses' life was coming to an end and he would become the successor responsible for leading God's people. Perhaps Joshua remembered the day that Moses laid his hands upon him and transferred the mantle of leadership from Moses to Joshua. Deuteronomy chapter 34 verse 9, the Bible said, Now Joshua the son of Nun was filled with the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. Joshua remembered that he needed courage the day the Lord commanded him to lead Israel across the Jordan into the promised land, when the people had just mourned the death of the man who led them out of captivity. The instructions Joshua was now giving Israel bore a stark resemblance to God's instructions to him. Joshua chapter 1 verse 7, God says to Joshua, just like he has said to the people, as Moses said to him, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you do not turn to the right hand or to the left hand that you may prosper wherever you go Joshua needed courage for after all in the first chapter in the first verse of the book of Joshua he still perceived himself to be nothing more than Moses helper He had been looking to Moses to hear the voice of God. He'd been looking to Moses to hear the wisdom of God. He'd been looking to Moses to hear from God about the direction that they were to go. And so when Moses died, nothing in his heart changed. His position and his perception of himself did not change, even though that Moses laid his hands upon him and transferred the anointing. In his mind and his heart, he was still Joshua, the helper of Moses. He wasn't the prophet. He wasn't the deliverer in his own mind. He was still just the helper of Moses. Can I stop right here and say that there's a lot of people that want to be Moses but don't want to be Joshua. There are a lot of people that want the title but they don't want the towel. There are a lot of people that still see themselves as the one who makes the decisions. But God is looking for a Joshua who still sees himself only as the servant of the prophet. Who still sees themselves, sees their own position to be that of a helper. This world does not need any more church bosses 
We don't need any more gospel gangsters. We don't need anybody else that just wants their name on the sign. We don't need anybody else that just wants to see their name in lights or in the church bulletin. What we need is somebody to rise up and say, I don't have what Moses had, but I can be the helper. Oh, you're not listening to me today. It takes courage to be Joshua. It takes more than just a preacher to lay hands on you to be a Joshua. It takes more than just being in the right place at the right time to be Joshua. It takes courage. He didn't regard himself with the age and the experience and the education and the wisdom or the anointing to fill the shoes of Moses. Perhaps he was nervous. He still regarded himself as the servant leader of Israel rather than the leader himself. No doubt there would be times when he would come upon a situation where he wasn't sure to do after what to do after the death of Moses. In that moment, he would have instinctively thought, I need to ask Moses what to do, but would then quickly remember that Moses was no longer there. He would have to learn how to listen to the voice of the Lord himself. Perhaps you've had that feeling after the death of a loved one, just a few weeks ago, on January 11th, my father passed away. My dad was the most godly man I have ever known. I grew up watching him live out the gospel in the flesh. I remember so many times listening to my dad pray for his family. I remember having questions without answers, but without fail, my dad would speak into my life with godly wisdom and discernment. And when my dad left this earth just four Saturdays from ago from yesterday with his family surrounding his hospital bed, I once again listened to pray blessing upon his family as he had done his best to lay his feeble hand upon the head of each of his children and his grandchildren to play a, pray a blessing. And as he drew his last breaths, he was magnifying God in another tongue. What a privilege it was to be part of the greatest worship service in that hospital room at Cleveland Clinic that my life has ever experienced. My dad preached a message from his deathbed. There have been moments since that day found myself thinking, I need to call daddy. Only to suddenly remember he's no longer there. And for that moment, it sinks with the realization that I'll never be able to seek my dad's counsel again. I've called his phone just to hear his voice on the voicemail. And there Sorrow that comes from knowing he'll never answer that phone again when I call. Joshua must have had that experience and those same emotions when he needed to talk to Moses. Needing the advice of his spiritual father as much now as he had in days past. Joshua must have had moments of sorrow knowing that he would never again hear the voice of Moses in times of uncertainty. But in glorious fashion, God himself spoke to Joshua as clearly as I am speaking to you today, giving him a promise that would carry him the rest of the way. 
He said in verse 5 of Joshua 1, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And I will not leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. I have blessed hope today that the same God that directed my father will continue to direct me and my children after me. And in those moments when I have sought and needed the counsel of my father, but he was no longer there, the Lord spoke to me and said, as I was with your father, I will be with you. Some of you need to hear that today. Some of you need to hear that just because the giants of the faith have passed on, it doesn't mean that God has stopped moving. Just because church fathers and church mothers have moved on to their reward, they didn't take the anointing with them. It's been passed down to you and I. And God is saying that just as I was with them, so I will be with you. As Joshua looks back upon his life, he can say with confidence that God kept his promise. Now, he finds himself giving his final address to Israel, knowing that they too will face distractions on the right hand and on the left hand. They too will have moments of uncertainty when they'll not be able to seek the wisdom of Joshua as they had before. Israel and their leaders that succeed him will need courage to walk in the commandments of the Lord so that his hand will be upon them as it was upon Moses and Joshua and those before him. The scripture says in Judges chapter 2 verse 7, So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works which the Lord had done for Israel. Can I stop right here and say that I'm getting worried that we are raising up a generation who is not going to know God the way that we know God. Come on, I'm preaching better than your shout. Unfortunately, perpetual cycle of Israel's self-destruction began to revolve again. In verse 10 of Judges 2, the Bible said, When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers or passed away, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. I fear the day is upon us when a generation has risen that doesn't know the Lord, doesn't know the word of the Lord, doesn't know the promises of God, doesn't know his mighty power. There's been a disconnect, a crack, if you will, through which the emphasis on a genuine experience with a holy God has fallen through that crack. It is not for lack of preaching. It is not for lack of wisdom. It's not for lack of understanding. It's not for lack of meetings. It's not for lack of structure. It's not for lack of buildings. It's not for lack of resources. It's not for lack of revelation. It's not for lack of opportunity or ingenuity or enthusiasm. It is the result of a lack of courage. Hope you're enjoying the word today. I want to share something with you. My book, my newest book, 10 Reasons Why, is going to be released on Tuesday, October the 27th. Uh, I want you to have your copy. You can still get a copy for free. Just text me the word RESTORED at 31996. Just pay for the shipping and I will send you a free copy. 
Hope you'll take advantage of that and hope you enjoyed the word today. I'll see you next time. See, I've brought you all this way through this discourse between Moses' last words to Joshua's last words to where the judges begin to rule to show you that God told Moses to have courage. Moses told Joshua to have courage. Joshua told the people to have courage. Why? Because it's going to take courage to follow the Lord all the way to the promised land. It's not going to take money necessarily to get you to where God wants you. It's not going to take the right person at the right time. It's not going to take good preaching. It's not going to take giant buildings. It's going to take something as simple as courage to stand up in the face of adversity and declare as my father and my grandfather, I will not stop moving forward. I won't be distracted on the right hand. I won't be distracted on the left hand. I'm on a mission. I've got territory to claim. I've got a destination. I am not just happening through the universe, but I'm on assignment to go to the place God said was mine. It takes courage to walk the narrow path that leads to life. It takes courage to keep your eyes upon Jesus when there are distractions on every side. It takes courage to say no when everything and everyone else is saying yes. It takes courage to stand up in a culture that bows the knee to idols of pride and greed and lust. It takes courage to speak what God has put in your mouth when it's not popular. It takes courage to declare to your giant, you come to me with spear and a sword, but I've come to you in the name of the Lord. It takes courage to be different. It takes courage to be unaccepted. It takes courage to be an outcast. It takes courage to be peculiar. It takes courage to pick yourself up after you've fallen down. Dust yourself up off and go on another day. It takes courage to hold your convictions. It takes courage to go against the flow. It takes courage to refuse to conform to the ways of the world. It takes courage to trust God enough to defy the words and the opinions of man when they are not in alignment with God's word. It takes courage. What we need is not better preaching, not better music, not bigger buildings, not better programs. We need a revival of courage in the church of the living God in this last day. It doesn't take much courage to do what everybody else is doing. It doesn't take much courage just to go with the flow. It doesn't take much courage to move the Holy Ghost into the back room. It doesn't take much courage to live faith that is founded on the unadulterated word of the Lord. It doesn't take courage to do that. It doesn't take courage to wink at sin. My God. It doesn't take courage just to go from one day to the next day to the next day, never seeing change, never seeing progression, and never making a difference in this world. That doesn't take any courage. It takes courage to do what nobody else wants to do. It takes courage to praise him when you don't feel like praising him. It takes courage to come to God's house and declare I'm healed even when your body still feels the effects of the disease.
It takes courage to stand up and declare my house shall be saved when your children are prodigals and they're lost as you stand here today. It takes courage to call those things that are not as though they were. My God, I'm preaching to somebody in this house. It takes courage to stand up and declare I shall be the head and not the tail. I'll be above and not beneath. I'm not going to be the borrower. I'm going to be the lender. It takes courage to declare those things that are not as though they've already come to pass. It takes courage to be that kind of believer. My Lord and my God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room today. Lord, help me get this word off of me. Let me tell you something else it takes courage to do. It takes courage to fail. Don't get nervous. I just forgot my water. It takes courage to fail. Let me tell you how I know. Because there have been seasons of my life when I would look ahead, assuming that if I were to do this thing, I will fail. And I didn't do it for fear of failure. But had I had the courage to do what God said, I would have had the wisdom to know I wasn't going to fail. But it takes courage to do it, even though you think you might fail. And if you do fail, it takes courage to do it again. Some people, they try it once, and if God doesn't move out of the box that he brought them in, then that's the end of it. But can I tell you that when God promises you something, you got to be willing to stumble on the path to get to the promise. you got to be willing to go through some failure on the way. How do I know that? Because there are times I've tried to get there under my own power and my own strength and my own ability and my own wisdom that it was never enough to get me all the way there and I would slip and fall just short of the blessing. But I had to learn that when I failed going after the promise that if I would have enough courage to stand up and go after it again that God would give me the strength that I needed, the anointing that I needed and the resources that I needed to get to that place that he promised me. It takes courage to fail but it also takes courage to be restored. Here I go. I'm about to let the cat out of the bag, Bishop. Are you listening to this preacher? I hope you didn't let this suit and tie fool you. It's a new suit. I brought it just to wear here today. I saw a picture posted on Facebook of this bishop dressed to the nines, and I was going to make sure I looked the part. But don't let this suit and tie fool you. I'm a man who sometimes can't stand his own reflection in the mirror. 
because I know where I was. I know what I've been through. You're looking at a preacher that six years ago walked away from the church, walked away from God, and walked away from the ministry. You're looking at a preacher that's been to the lowest parts of hell deeper than I've ever been before. You're looking at a preacher who six years ago lost everything. But my standing here today is all the testimony you need that God is able. So you don't even need the details because I'm standing here. That's all the detail you need. I'm still here. It takes courage to be restored. Some of you are sitting in that pew today. You came in hanging your head because you are full of shame and anguish and you are sorry and you feel like everybody's got eyeballs on you and looking down their nose at you. Honey, if we tell the truth, we all have needed restoration. We all need God to reach us, reach down and lift us up out of the pit that we were in. It takes courage to come to God and say, Lord, I need you to restore me. It takes takes courage to bear it all in front of your haters and in front of those that talked about you and in front of those that made predictions about you, in front of those that formulated opinions about you and say, here I am, God. I am unclean and unworthy. I hold nothing back. I've got nothing to hide and nothing to lose. It takes courage to stand up and declare, I need God to heal me and restore me and redeem me and to bring me I got to get back to my teleprompter. That's why I, that's why I did it this way so I wouldn't get off track. Because of their lack of courage, Israel rebelled against the Lord. The cycle continues to revolve, and they did evil in the sight of the Lord. They didn't have the courage to keep the commandments of the Lord. Nevertheless, Judges chapter 2, verses 16 through 19, Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges. who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they would not listen to the judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemy all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers. What is a judge? Well, a judge was someone who simply judged between the people. He was a de facto leader of Israel. He was not a king. He was not a prophet. He was a judge. There were 12 of them, one of which was the man whom I brought up in the text that we first read by the name of Shamgar. 
When a nation will not walk in the commandments of the Lord, he will raise up men and women of courage who will unapologetically declare the word of the Lord and operate under a mantle of power and authority. This is why it's so important for men and women who are carrying the calling to step up and take their place. We cannot afford for you to lie dormant in your gift. Somebody, somewhere is depending on you to have the courage to take your place. Of the 12 judges the Lord used was a man by the name of Shamgar. Again, in verse 31 of chapter 3, after Ehud came Shemgar, the son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He too saved Israel. Bear with me for a moment. There are only two instances of the name Shemgar in Scripture. The other is believed by scholars not to even be the same person. If that is the case... This man Shamgar, a judge of Israel, is only mentioned in this one instance. However, he is not insignificant. He performed valiantly in saving Israel from 600 Philistines single-handedly with nothing but an ox goat. What's an ox goat? It was a prodding tool. It was a long rod with a pointy end or a sharp edge used to encourage the oxen to pull the plow. The farmer would stand behind the plow, and when the oxen would stop or slow down, he would take this ox gold, this long rod with the pointy edge, and he would reach forward and encourage the ox to move. That's the ox gold. It was a farmer's tool, or appropriately translated, it means a thing to teach oxen. Let yourself get poked or prodded a few times. It'll teach you. Let yourself get poked in the side like Paul said. I had, this, I had this thorn in the flesh that was sent to buffet me. And I prayed three times that it would be removed from me. But God wouldn't remove it. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Some of you thought when you got saved, he was going to take away the pointy edges. Some of you thought when you got filled with the Holy Ghost, you were never going to face another devil. And the moment you get a poke in your side from the ox goad, suddenly you want to come to the pastor, call him up, hit him up on Facebook Messenger and say, Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. The devil's been on my back all day long. Honey, it's normal. It's normal for you get poked a time or two. It's normal for you to feel the sharp edge of that thorn in the flesh. The apostle Paul, as mighty and spiritual and anointed as he was, was not immune. You're not going to be an exception. You're going to have that thorn in the flesh. You're going to have that ox goat pricking you in the back when you're getting ready to do what you thought God told you to do. And you're going to get the thorn in the back. It's not because God's trying to stop you. It's because he's trying to test you. If you'll read back over Joshua and specifically Judges, you will read that God, after Joshua died, God released or let go some of the armies of the enemy just to teach Israel, just to test their faithfulness. Go back and read it. He used the enemy to test them. How many of you had God use an enemy to test you? 
You got to stop being afraid of the sharp edges, my friend. Because just like God told the Apostle Paul, he's telling you, my grace is sufficient. If you get poked on this side, move over to this side. If you get poked on the back, keep moving on. No matter how many times you feel the thorn in the flesh, I've given you the grace sufficient enough to overcome it. The poking doesn't have to tear you down. The poking doesn't have to destroy you. The poking doesn't have to discourage you. It's there because I'm teaching you. I'm testing you to keep moving when all of your circumstances say to be steadfast when everything around you says stop but I've said go when everything around you says no but I've said yes yet that you've got to have the courage to move when you get poked with the ox go thank you for joining us today subscribe to the spotter on any major podcast provider visit us at jeffwolf.org for more information And follow Jeff Wolf on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. To receive a copy of Jeff's newest project, absolutely free, 10 Reasons Why Pastors Are in Danger, text the word RESTORED to 31996. Message and data rates may apply. Remember to join us next week. Be blessed.